You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast. Your number one podcast for Florida Gator football. Scared money don't make money. What a week for Florida Gator sports. I'm going to get into that in just a little bit. And I know this is a football podcast, so I want to go ahead and get the other sports out of the way. I have to mention this because Florida just had a great week in overall sports. And actually, the past couple of podcasts, you know, stat-wise, I, you know, maybe Debbie Downer a little bit, but this podcast is going to have a lot of good news on it this time. So you might want to listen up. But first, men's basketball taking down number two Auburn, 63 to 62. Uh, I, I believe I was watching the game around. Uh, I made dinner reservations for 5 p.m., which is stupid. I should have made them for six because I forgot about this basketball game that was on. And I think there was about a minute 30 left when I had to leave the house. I think it was around like 4.30, 4, 4 o'clock, 4.15, somewhere around there. And I saw that Florida had an eight-point lead on Auburn with a minute 30 left. I get into the car. My wife's driving because I want to. I, I want to keep up with the game, and then I, I literally I turn on the phone and then I see Auburn's within. I think it was four or three points, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is the most white, you know, Mike White thing ever. They're gonna have this big lead, and then now they're just gonna blow it." That didn't happen, man. They held on, beat Auburn, sixty three to sixty two. And I know a lot of you guys are, you know, fire Mike White guys. I'm kind of on the firing squad there as well with Mike White. And I, I honestly, Mike White's a good coach. His problem is consistency. He's not consistent, and his basketball teams are not consistent, and that's why I want him gone. But he'll do this. He'll beat Ohio State. He'll beat Auburn, these highly ranked teams, top 10 teams, and then he'll lose to a team that he should have taken care of, whether it's on the road or at home. That's the problem with Mike White, and that's why people want him gone because he's not consistent. You have to be consistent to be a winning head coach. But this is a football podcast, and I'm not going to get into that at all. Women's softball, 9-0, and beating Louisville and Villanova. So the women's softball team's on a tear right now. Undefeated 9-0. and And gymnastics wins another SEC title. You know, when you think about it, Florida really isn't every, everything school. We do just about every sport the best way that we can. I mean, we're either top 10, top 5, or number 1 in the nation in just about all sports. But we got to take care of this basketball and football, folks, man. we got to get more consistent on a consistent basis with basketball and football. So I wanted to go ahead and start it off with some good news. Florida Gators sports just had a great week. So uh, yeah, now we're going to get into position review on this podcast. And I'm starting with running back because Florida, they have a stable running backs coming up this year. They will be without Damian Pierce and Malik Davis this year as they try to set their goals on the NFL, which I do not blame them. Damian Pierce is going to be a steal for anybody in the draft. It doesn't stop Florida's football team from having the arsenal of running backs right now for the 2022 season with some big high school talent names in the fold and returning running backs in the fold as well. So, you know, obviously, Daquan Wright, who flashed his ability to be an all-around running back. If you look, if you go on YouTube and look at some highlights, because I did a little bit of film study on each one of these running backs. I didn't really have a lot of film on the guys that had, you know, didn't have a lot of college experience, had to go look at their high school highlights. But what I think Naquan Wright does really well He's pretty good at catching the football in the backfield, which is a good trait you want out of a running back. But I think his best trait is when he gets to the second level and he can make people miss and he can knock people over. I mean, for his size, he's around 200, 205. So he's against linebackers that are like 240, 250, you know, safeties that are pretty, pretty big dudes and he's knocking them over too. So, you know, that's that's impressive for somebody his size. And it reminds me of Kadarius Tony because Kadarius Tony was that he was a smaller guy. But you never really saw Kadarius Tony get knocked backward a lot. He always lowered his head, and he would try to 
push people over. And, and, and that's what I thought Kadarius Tony was really good at doing, was pushing people over for his size. But anyway, 560 total yards for Naquan Wright's career between 2019 and 2021. That's rushing yards, 560 rushing yards. He's had only 141 total rushing attempts. He's averaged around four yards per carry at three touchdowns as well. But he's also fumbled the ball three times in his career as well. That's the only bad stat that I saw out of all the stats that I ran for Naquan Wright. But there, there's some pretty impressive stat that I see right here. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, read this one off to you guys and tell me if you think this is an impressive stat or not, because I think it is. 418 of his 560 yards were after contact. So almost 75% of his rushing yards have been after contact. So think about it. You're in the red zone and it's third and five and, and Naquan Wright gets the ball and he goes up two yards and he gets hit by a linebacker. Naquan Wright trucks the linebacker over and gets the first down anyway. So that's really good because he's averaged three yards each time after contact. So that's why I made that assumption right there. You got a third and five. You want Naquan Wright out there if you want to get those extra two to three yards if there's a contact. Sometimes there isn't and maybe you can just take it to the house anyway. But that's an impressive stat right there. He's also had 13 rushes for 10 or more yards, and his longest rushing play went for 34 yards. Naquan's also forced 34 total missed tackles and has counted for 27 first down. Another really impressive stat for only having just a little bit of playing time that he has. On receiving attempts, now I this is what I call receptions. On receiving attempts, he's caught 39 or 35 out of 39 receptions for 396 total yards. 10.1 yards per reception. Really, really good stat for somebody that has not had that much playing time. I mean, that's impressive. It really is. That's not me being a homer. I think that's pretty impressive. Naquan would be going in his fourth season with 26 total game appearances. He would also have three game appearances in 2019, 11 in 2020, and 12 in 2021. So this means he still has three years of eligibility since 2020 didn't count because of COVID. So Naquan will have some big shoes to fill, though. With Damian Pierce and Davis gone, so uh, almost you got to take that leadership role there, man. You, you've had that much experience in in the system, a lot of young guys coming in behind you, and you got to be you got to be that leader. And and I think you know Jabar Jaluk and all those guys will will help Naquan do that. As, as you heard Billy Napier in these press conferences saying, they they teach them how to be leaders and they teach them you know the right things to say and and how to present yourself. So Naquan definitely is going to have to take that leadership role for those running backs coming in now. He's not the only experienced running back in this class. Now, I did say that the only returning production for Florida would be Naquan Wright. That was for Florida. Now, we do have some experience coming in. Billy Napier has brought in some pretty good experienced talent from the transfer portal over from Louisiana Lafayette. You know, a couple offensive linemen and a running back by the name of Montrell Johnson Jr. will also enter into the fold at running back for Florida. Montreal Johnson brings some experience to this, this young backfield. I mean, it's an inexperienced young backfield besides Naquan Wright. And Naquan Wright hasn't had a lot of college experience either. He's had some, just not a lot. He's had 26 game appearances over the course of three years. So a little bit of experience there, but, you know, and sometimes in a backup and garbage time role. But Johnson, a whole year of college he's already had. Johnson had the freshman Sunbelt Player of the Year award his first year in the Sunbelt Conference, uh, you know, that short amount of time, that's pretty good. In his first year, he would amount up to 841 total rushing yards on 163 attempts, averaging 5.2 yards per rush for 12 touchdowns. 61% of his rushing yards would come after contact. Remember I said with Naquan Wright, he had 75% <laughs> after contact, which is really impressive there as a running back. He would also average 3.2 yards after contact, which it's a little bit more than Naquan Wright there, actually. So that's a pretty good stat right there. He would also force 24 missed tackles and have 18 rushes for 10 or more 
yards. His longest rush would come against Arkansas State for 99 yards after a mishandled special teams fumble at the one-yard line. The next play, uh, he takes it to the house all, all the way, 99 yards. So he would have his best rushing game against Arkansas State as well, totaling 150 total rushing yards. He would also account for 49 total first downs in his first year as well. Now, as I said, receptions receiving-wise, he would be 6 for 10 attempts for 53 yards. So really, he didn't catch the football in the backfield that much. He's just more of an elite runner in the Sun Belt. So definitely not a bad first year whatsoever, you know, in the Sun Belt. And what a way to kick it off for a freshman almost having a thousand yards rushing. So you look at those stats and you're like, well, that's actually really good. Even if it's in the Sun Belt as a freshman, I think he came out of high school ranked like a, had a 85 point something average player ranking. So he's like a three-star recruit to have 841 yards rushing. It doesn't matter what, what, you know, conference you're playing in and get freshman player of the year. Pretty impressive for a first year. Now, SEC is a different animal. We know this. We'll see, though. You know, it's always good to bring in college-ready talent and somebody that's had experience at a college, uh, you know, in college. I mean, if you look at it, uh, let me put out an example here. You know, look, look at Jonathan Grenard, right? He was ranked 1,282 nationally, and he was a three-star recruit at a 83.46 average player ranking, less than Montreal Johnson's 85. You know, with college experience... And a, and a good development, you know, going to the, you know, the SEC. He came from Louisville, came from the ACC, goes to the SEC, and he dominates in the SEC. And now he's playing for the Houston Texans right now in the NFL. So, you know, all those guys, we, we do stargaze, but at the same time, you get some college experience in there. You never know what that person can do, especially at an SEC level. So a good get by Billy Napier and the staff to bring in a transfer running back by the name of Montrell Johnson. So... Now let's get into some of the, I guess, inexperienced talent. I, I call them high school talent, but they had some college experience, but not a lot. But let's get into the, the, the first guy that I want to talk about. And he's, he's sat, he's been patient, he's waited his turn. He didn't throw fits, he didn't try to go back into the transfer portal. He's just been working and working. And his name is Lorenzo Lingard. Lorenzo Lingard was a very highly talented running back recruit, by the way. A five-star prospect, just about... Any site you go to is a five-star prospect. Per 24-7 sports, he was ranked the second running back in the country in the 2018 class and the 25th ranked player in the overall rankings. Originally committed and signed with Miami. At Miami, he would not really play that much, though, only appearing in four total games, one in 2019 and three in 2018. In those three games he appeared in 2018, he would rush 136 yards for two touchdowns, averaging eight yards per carry, and six yards after contact. So nothing too substantial for uh, Lorenzo Lingard here, but pretty impressive stats for the short amount of time. I know it's a small sample size, but impressive though. You can see that the five-star talent is there. He would also have a serious injury though in 2018, tearing his MCL. So that's why he didn't play that much in 2018 and didn't really play but one game in 2019. It's not that he got really buried on the depth chart. It's the fact he just injured his knee. Uh, He would only appear at one game, like I said, in 2019, but he would decide to put his name into the transfer portal and would ultimately transfer over to the Florida Gators in 2020. He would also elect to sit out to make sure that he could heal properly from injury before returning to the football field. So that's something good that you want to see. In high school, he would have 1,039 total all-purpose yards for 16 total touchdowns, averaging 11.5 yards per carry. He would also run a verified 4.27 40-yard dash when he was at Miami. So Lingard coming in with a lot of promise, but an injury that set him back a little bit. But if you're worried about the injury affecting his speed, think about this. 
He's had a ton of time off in the injury. He's had a ton of you know time to heal from that injury. And there's also videos of him pulling vehicles with his legs. So, I mean, I don't think that there's much of an NCL injury at all, especially if it was, you know, he's had that much time to heal. So when you see Lorenzo Lingard and he's pulling these heavy vehicles and trucks, rest assured he's healed very properly from that injury. And I can't wait to see what he brings in the uh, 2022 season and how he is used, whether it's at a running back role, special teams role, whatever he's doing. I'm really excited for Lorenzo Lingard. That's a very fast human being. Even if he lost a little bit of speed, he's running a 4-3, that's fast. I mean, that's Antonio Callaway fast. So really excited to see what Lorenzo Lingard can do this season. But I don't think he's lost any speed from what I've saw. You know, and you think about it, you guys know Jimmy Johns, right? They say freaky fast. And I'm not talking about Jimmy Johns, the owner who humped the shark or whoever the guy was that was doing that. It looked like Jim McElwain. I'm talking about freaky fast, their motto. That's freaky fast. Running a 40-yard dash of 4.27. I mean, Lorenzo Lingard could probably deliver me a Jimmy John sub all the way from Florida to here as I'm doing this podcast. So really excited for Lorenzo Lingard to come into the fold. Now now the guy I'm particularly excited about. And this, this is a guy I'm telling you guys, I can give you the stats and I'll give you the rundown, but really look at the film when you go on YouTube at his career at Lakeland. You'll be amazed. This guy has complete elite acceleration, especially there at the second level. His second level acceleration is like none other that I've seen in a running back in a long time. And that's high accolades for me because I study a lot of high school film because I love recruiting and I love high school film. I love it all. So Demarcus Bowman, a five-star in the 2020 recruiting class. He was the third ranked running back in the class per 24-7 sports and the 20th player in the nation overall. Appeared in a couple games at Clemson and had very little playing time behind the stable running backs there. Uh, at Florida, he get a b- bit more playing time, but not much, only appearing in five games with only 22 snaps, 81 yards, and 5.8 yards per rush. So nothing really to see as far as college statistics go, but let's pull up some high school stats here, folks, man, because these high school stats are impressive. And if, 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 you, if you listen to these high school stats, just go and look at the film, and you'll realize why he rushed this many yards. DeMarcus Bowman at Lakeland would have 5,172 total rush yards for his career, 70 rushing touchdowns, 71 total touchdowns. He would average 143.7 rush yards per game and 11.2 rush yards per carry. This is a hard division here too, Lakeland. His highest rushing season at Lakeland would be in his 2018 to 2019 year where he had rushed for 2,422 yards. He would not have a season where he did not rush over 1,000 yards. These are all numbers per max preps. Ridiculous numbers, let's be honest. Just go on YouTube, type into Marcus Bowman highlights, and you'll see why he is, he's elite. And I think he would be elite at the University of Florida. I mean, I, I, I honestly think he should have been the number one running back in the class. I mean, he's, he's still, what, the number two, number three of that class? I think he should have been number one. Ridiculous acceleration, especially at the second level, where it seems that he never loses speed. Like... Like I said, look at the film. You can tell DeMarcus Bowman is an elite running back, and I can't wait. I cannot wait until he gets that starting job or he gets the starting running back job. I cannot tell you how excited I am to watch DeMarcus Bowman in a Gator uniform. Also, let me give a shout-out to some of his family members that I got to meet last year in Gainesville. Really, uh, you know, down-to-earth, respectful folks there. So, yeah, DeMarcus Bowman, man, cannot wait to see him play at the University of Florida. All right. Now, last but not least, the last guy Florida has recruited in Billy Napier's transition class is four-star top 150 running back Trevor Etienne from Jennings High School in Louisiana. Brother of Travis Etienne, who played at Clemson, everybody knows that, has had a total of 2,455 rushing yards in his career, 34 rushing touchdowns, 38 
total touchdowns with 144.4 rushing yards per game and 9.1 yards per rushing attempt. So ETM may not be known for his speed, but he possesses great size for his height. Standing 5'9", 218 pounds, he has great vision and great cutting ability to make defenders miss the tackle, predominantly in space. So, you know, great college-ready size here for his height. You know, you like to see those running backs coming out of high school at least around the 200 range, unless they're really, really fast. Um, but th- think about it, 5'9", 220, that's, it's college-ready already. I mean, he could start tomorrow if he wanted to, if he makes the starting job. he got to win the starting job first. Uh, great college-ready size anyway. But he's the 14th-ranked running back in the nation per 24-7 sports and the 14th-ranked running back in Louisiana. He was also the first team class 3A All-State running back in 2020. These are all per max prep stats. So as far as the running back situation goes for Florida moving forward, I mean, that's the kind of depth you want in your backfield. (laughs) Elite depth. The combined player average ranking of the kids who had very little college level experience from high school, Demarcus Bowman, Lorenzo Lingard, and Trevor Etienne, 96.77. Really, really elite quality depth. And that's what you want to see at every position, uh, you know, uh, 94 is good. 93 is pretty good at, at, at a position for an average player ranking combined. 96.77. That is elite. <laughs> elite running back talent. So now, let's look at the SEC as a whole and how they've fared over the past four years in the rushing game. And we will do that coming up here on the second part of Getting Swamped. Need a sign for your company, your man cave, your live stream or podcast? Give my guy Brandon White a shout out at White & Sons Wood Carving. He has the best handcrafted signs nationally, all custom fit for your needs. With state-of-the-art paint and epoxy, you can have that glow of your sign too with some custom LEDs as a package as well. Give him a shout out on Twitter at WS Wood Carving. You can also follow him on Twitch and check out his Facebook page at White & Sons Wood Carving. Top of the line signs made from scratch. You're listening to the Getting Swamped Podcast with your host, David Soderquist, your number one source for all things college football and Florida Gators. All right, SEC. How has the SEC fared in in rushing yardage and at the running back position over the last four years? I did a four-year sample here because, you know, you get a recruiting class and usually all those kids are out by that third, fourth year or you know, vice versa or whatever. So I just did four years. And uh, the average rush yards in the SEC from 2018 to 2021 and the average rushing yards per rushing attempt in the SEC in 2018 and 2021 as well. Now, I have them all on my site at com. Go to the blog section. You'll see the graphs. You'll see everything here. But I'm going to do a little bit of audio for you folks here. And uh, Florida, actually, they ranked sixth in the SEC in average rushing yard, yards, tied with Auburn, which is funny because – when I did these stats, it, it, when you're doing average rushing yards over four seasons, you never expect two teams to have the exact amount of same rushing yards, but average. But Auburn and Florida both did at 2,324. Now, they, you know, I, I counted them sixth. You can say tied for six, tied with Auburn, whatever. But they were actually seventh in the SEC in yards per rushing attempt for the past four years as well. And, and this is a shocking thing, too. When I did this, I, you know, Looking at it, you would think Alabama or Georgia would probably have the most rushing yards and probably most yards per attempt, but you're wrong. Actually, Kentucky had, over the past four years, ranked first in the SEC in average rushing yards per rushing attempt, and they placed first in average rushing yards total in the SEC at 2,909 over the past four years. So Kentucky... (laughs) 
you know, Stoops over there has got them guys running the football and running the football down people's throats. We all remember what happened in the Kentucky game last year. I don't want to experience that ever again. But, man, got, uh, hats off to Stoops over there, doing a great job over there at Kentucky, getting some talent in there and uh, really running the ball down you know, a lot of people's throats there. So, But at the same time, they don't really have great quarterbacks over there at Kentucky either. Decent quarterbacks, not great quarterbacks. But, you know, what can you do when you can't throw the football? You run it. And if you can run it and be successful doing it, keep running the football. So Kentucky right there, Texas A&M placing second in average yards per rushing attempt at uh, 6.2. Georgia actually did place second in the SEC in average rush yards uh, the past four years. So I figured Georgia or Alabama would probably be in that first or second mark, which I was right, but I never, ever, ever expected Kentucky <laughs> to be number one in these stats when I ran them. And that's why I run stats, man, because it really opens up your eyes a little bit. It's, you know, you, you never would have thought Kentucky would be first. They were the past four years in the SEC. Now, let, let's look at Napier's numbers in the Sun Belt the past four years in the rushing game. Because if I'm going to do four years in the SEC, I'll do Napier's time as a head coach over there for the past four years at Louisiana Lafayette. Because that's what I've been doing with a lot of these stats that I'm getting up. So now let's look at the Napier's numbers in the Sun Belt. In Napier's time at Louisiana Lafayette, he held the 26th, 21st, 10th, and 24th rushing offense in the nation from 2018 to 2021. So he never had a rushing offense that was ranked worse than 30th in the nation. That's really good. Really good. From 2018 to 2021, he would average 231.2 average rush yards per game and 6.4 yards rushing per attempt in those four years. That's that's crazy good. And it don't matter what conference you're in, that's pretty good. He would place third in the Sun Belt in rushing in 2021, fourth in 2020, first in 2019, and third in his first year in 2018. These are all rushing statistics in the Sun Belt, which aren't counting conference championship games and extra bowl games because it's not fair to you know place them in a different spot because they got two extra games. So I went ahead and just did the conference and the regular games. So yeah, you know, that's pretty high, you know, pretty good rushing numbers, especially the nation, man. So Billy Napier definitely knew how to run the football on teams' throats in the Sun Belt, but can he bring it to the SEC with Jabar Jaluk? Well, they have a whole ton of talent behind them, as I said, at running back to do so. Let's go down the 24-7 sports average player ranking of the running back talent we have at Florida. Kind of went over it a little bit. I'll go ahead and do a little bit quick rundown. Naquan Wright, 90.61. Lorenzo Lingard, 98.61. Demarcus Bowman, 99.09. Montreal Johnson, I counted his transfer portal ranking. He was at 85 points something in high school, but I counted his transfer portal ranking because, you know, he had freshman player of the year in the Sun Belt, so I figure, you know, it's obviously fair to give him that 90 if he's in the transfer portal, so I gave him the 90. Trevor Etienne, 92.61. That averages to 94.18, so <laughs> that's that's where you want to be talent-wise at any position, mainly at all positions because you have elite talent and you can compete with anybody in the nation, so, you know, I, I said, I think two podcasts ago that, you know, most of the, you know, schools that compete for national championships overall talent-wise, not just one position, overall talent-wise, they recruit at around like a, you know, at 92 or above, like 93, 94. So if you're, <laughs> your running back average is 94.18, pretty good. That's elite talent you got there at that position. Now, how does that rank up against all the other teams in the SEC? So what I did was I took the SEC running back recruiting combined average player ranking from 2019 to 22, and I compiled all the stats from the last from 2019 to 2022, because I counted this recruiting class as well. So I did the current rankings, and if, if you look on the side, I, I did a disclaimer, and I said I took out transfers who transferred elsewhere. I also did addition by subtraction by running backs who transferred within the SEC. As an example, I said Lovacy Carroll, he was a UGA committee, signed with the UGA, but he transferred to South Carolina. So I took away that 
you know, that player average from UGA and added it to South Carolina. So, and I also counted the higher score between high school and transfer portal rankings to be fair across the board. Cause some players, you know, they, they, they go to a school, say DeMarcus Bowman, right? He was ranked 99.09. He didn't play that much when he was at, uh, you know, at Clemson. He really, I think he only played like one game as a backup somewhere. And they ranked him like 94.05 in the portal, which like, why does it, why would that take away from his high school ranking him just playing one game in college? So, I, I did it fair across the board, so I just took whatever ranking was higher between transfer portal and uh, high school because some some kids, you know, are ranked low. Like like the example of Jonathan Grenard, he um, was ranked really low in high school, but really really productive at Louisville. And then he came to Florida in the transfer portal, and they re ranked him really high because he had developed. So a lot of these kids, they do get playing time, and they're probably like a three star, and they're really good. They get really good at a college level, and they develop really good. And you know. They, they transfer in the portal, and they're actually a better player than what they were in high school. So I, as I took both the highest scores, I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt. I would take the highest score, whether it was high school or transfer portal, and I added it to these stats. So SEC running back recruiting by average player ranking from 2019 to 2022, Florida is actually ranked third in the SEC at running back at a 94.18. As I just said, LSU second at 95.14, and Alabama, man. They recruit running backs like crazy. They just have stables and stables and stables of Alabama. They're number one at 97.56. That's a huge jump from anybody on this board. But, you know, if you look at it, Florida, they have a lot of talent. And, and some of the, you know, ETN probably brought it down and Johnson probably brought it down. But we don't even really know how good Johnson's going to be when he comes over. He might be great. He might be fantastic. But I was shocked and surprised that Georgia was 93.0 and they were ranked fourth. We were ranked above Georgia in running back talent. And they've had some pretty good running backs come through there the last four years. And now I, I also, at the disclaimer, I said these statistics are just based on 2019 and 2022. They don't count guys who may still be on the roster from previous classes who have been injured and got an extra redshirt year of eligibility. So I also just, I just did recruiting. But if you go by it, you know, Florida's third from 19 to 22. That's pretty good. You got elite talent at that position that can compete with anybody in the nation. So when I say I'm excited for the running back stable going into 2022, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> That's a good stat. So now let, let's look, and I, I compiled some numbers here from 2015 to 2021. So I did kind of Jim McElwain's tenure and Dan Mullen's tenure in the SEC, and I compiled the numbers and where they ranked in the SEC and in, in the nation. And I also kind of went back all the way to 2009. So uh, I found out doing some research that Florida had not had a rushing offense ranked in the top 20 or better since 2009. The last time Florida placed first or second in the SEC in rushing was also in 2009. Also back when Florida had multiple number one and top three classes in the nation and number one classes in the SEC. So, you know, to get in that top 20 or better, you have to have elite talent at running back. Florida would also only have two seasons between 2015 and 2021 where they were ranked in the top 25 in the nation. Those years were 2018 and just this past year in 2021. Florida would have three years ranked in the hundreds or more in rushing from 2015 to 2021. They also had four seasons out of the seven seasons mentioned ranked 10th in the SEC or worse. So now just this past season, Florida ranked 22nd nationally, averaging 206.4 rushing yards per game. And they would rank sixth in the nation in yards per rush at 5.4 rushing yards per attempt, way up from 2020's 4.1 rushing yards per attempt the year before. And you know, when, when you got a quarterback by Kyle Trask and he's chucking the ball 20 yards at a time, passing it, and he's getting completions, you really don't need to run the ball that much. I mean, so... I understand why Florida's rushing numbers last year 
weren't as great. The offensive line was okay. They weren't great last year, but I understand why there wasn't that much rushing yards last year because Kyle Trask is breaking passing records and passing touchdown records at the University of Florida. You don't need to rush the football when you can get 60 to 50 to 40 points on average every game just chucking the ball around. So if teams can't stop it, keep doing it. That's my philosophy there. And, and you know, I, I understand in 2009 we also had great offensive line recruiting, and I'll, we'll, we will get into that position here shortly on this podcast. And you also had a quarterback in Tim Tebow that was like a linebacker at, uh, at quarterback, and he's plowing and running through people too, and nobody could stop Tim Tebow. And like I just said, if they can't stop it, keep doing it. All right, just a quick rundown from 2015 to 2021 of where Florida ranked in the SEC and nationally in rushing. 2015, they were 107th in the nation, 13th in the SEC. 2016, they were 106th in the nation, 14th in the SEC. 2017, they were 68th in the nation, 10th in the SEC. 2018, they were 22nd in the nation and 5th in the SEC. So the offensive line improved vastly in 2018. We all remember the Felipe Franks year, and Florida was able to actually run the ball really well against a lot of teams and gave Felipe Franks a lot of time to throw the football. And that's why you saw a big, vast improvement from Felipe Franks from 2017 to 2018 because the offensive line, you know, kind of got a little bit better there. 2019, though, they would drop dramatically. 117th in the nation, 13th in the SEC. 2020, 93rd and 8th in the SEC. And that, that, that shows you how elite of a quarterback Kyle Trask was because his offensive line really wasn't that good in 2020. We did struggle to run the ball but he was able to get the football out quick and get it out accurate to all of his receivers. And, you know, just an amazing passing year from, from Kyle Trask, man. That put a lot of pressure on him, and he, you know, broke all these passing records at the University of Florida. So Kyle Trask can be good in the NFL. So 2020, as I said, 93rd in the nation, 8th in the SEC. And in 2021, they would actually vastly improve, too, to 22nd again and 5th in the SEC. So, all right, fan questions actually only had one question between Twitter, Facebook, and voice memos on my site. So if you want, you know, you don't like typing and you don't, you want your voice to be heard, or if you got a question, a comment, or even you want to take a shot at like a rival team like Georgia, Miami, Florida State, something like that, you can go ahead and do that too on the voice memo. At least keep it clean. If it's funny, I'll play it. You know, that's what I do. Try to reach out as many ways as I can for all the fans and make this podcast as fun as I can. So I only had one comment this week, which is fine. That's cool. If you ain't got any questions and you know, you just want to listen to the podcast, that's cool too. At L. Rexer, Louise off Twitter says, what's the deal with Lingard? Why hasn't he seen the field essentially at any capacity? Well, he was hurt with an MCL injury, and he did elect to sit out one of the seasons when he came to the University of Florida to properly heal. So that's one of them. Second of all, I mean, you had Damian Pierce, you had Malik Davis, you had Naquan Wright, those guys that had already, you know, signed with the team and, and contributed to the University of Florida in some sort of way. Now, the last staff was a seniority kind of staff. If It, it was all about seniority. And, and the fact, and I, and I agree with you a little bit here about Lingard, is the fact is you had two five-star talents sitting on the bench. Your, your return game on special teams wasn't doing anything the whole year. Why can't you take a talent that's running a 4-2, 40-yard dash and put him back there to return kicks? Or put a Demarcus Bowman, a talent that, you know, you already wasted a year of eligibility on him. You played him in five games last year. You might as well just put him somewhere on the field, whether it was contributing on offense on special teams or defense on special teams. You know, sometimes they put those fast players to make tackles against the other team on special teams too. That's what Urban Meyer did. Urban Meyer said, if you're going to earn your reps on the field, you're going to do it on special teams. You know, if that's how you want to earn it. You've heard many players come out and say that. That's how Urban Meyer was. And, you know, the last staff was just seniority. It was all about seniority. But at the same time, you know, you had Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, and Equin Wright, as I said, 
Damian Pierce was clearly the best running back out of all of them. And he only got seven carries a game on average. Why was he getting seven carries a game on average? So, you know, I don't think you're going to see that with this staff. I, I think Lorenzo Lingard is going to be on the field at some capacity this year. But I do agree with you a little bit there, Louise. I, I think that it was a crime that Lingard never even really saw the field. He's out there pulling trucks with his legs, as I mentioned earlier. And, you know, you know he's healthy. You know, you know he can work out. You know he can play. You know, he's a, he's a five-star talent. Use him at some capacity. Could have saved you a couple games. Could have saved your job, too. So, I, 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 as, as far as, you know, why he didn't see the field, I don't know. Now, a lot of us don't know why he didn't see the field. But, you know, the last staff didn't do a lot of things right. And uh, I, I did not agree with that as well. So, thank you, Louise, for sending in that question. All right, folks, that will wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swamped. And I want to send a special thank you all to all you people out there. Through three podcasts, I have already reached a thousand play marks. I want to give a special shout out to all you folks who listened, gave me feedback, gave me a chance to entertain you folks with my nerd-like statistics. Now, I do have some guests lined up for the future episodes. We're currently working on dates and times for that. So stay tuned and keep yourself updated by going and following me on Twitter at Getting Swamped or the podcast page at Swamped Podcast. You can also keep up with all the latest stats and podcasts on my Facebook page and on the website at gettingswamp.com. But folks, that will wrap it up for this episode of Getting Swapped, your latest in football, statistics, special guests, and social media. Thank you for listening to Getting Swamped.